You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, February 27th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly, I promise you, certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for exclusively Padres-related tweets. That account was certainly busy this weekend. Uh, But also check out the YouTube Lockdown Padres where you can see me wearing my robe, my friar hoodie robe like I'm a swinging friar, because today's an important episode, ladies and gentlemen. It is. And friendly reminder, always make Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms in case you were sleeping under a rock. In case you just didn't have your phone on, you know, I've taken a phone break myself every now and then. Manny Machado, first tweeted by Jeff Passan. Breaking, star third baseman Manny Machado and the San Diego Padres are finalizing an 11-year, $350 million extension. Sources familiar with the deal tell ESPN. Machado helped turn around the franchise. He'll stay as the ascendant Padres Seek their first championship. Where do we begin? First of all, in terms of the contract details, that increases his AAV by about $1.8 million, I believe, um, overall. So the AAV is basically staying the same. This is not a giant per-year thing that would potentially hamper what the Padres want to do per year. So that's very good. Obviously, it will take him uh, until he's, you know, about the same, the 2034 year, whatever it is. What year are we in? Yeah, so 2034. Uh, So that is when both him and Xander Bogarts will come off the books. (laughs) Um, Look, I was just hanging out, as one does on a Sunday morning, just on my phone, reading some comic books, start my day, ordering a bagel, as one does. Or I didn't order a bagel. I went to this nice place where they had like these nice burgers and stuff. I had a brunch with my friend. But before all that, I get the alert, and it's... It just hasn't gotten old still. Ever since I've been hosting this podcast, the Padres have made easily their biggest giant blockbuster moves in the history of their franchise, and they it still doesn't get old. It just doesn't get old. And I think that with this deal, this one to me uh, has been one of the least surprising deals um, in a while that the Padres have made. Just because I think that, one, Peter Seidler and the Padres and A.J. Preller have shown nothing but a commitment to their product. Nothing but commitment to extending guys, to making big trades. There is nothing that the Padres have done over the past few seasons. In fact, just over the past six months, if you want to be real about it, um, that indicate that they were going to not extend the guy who was basically there from the beginning of this giant turnaround with the Padres, right? I know Eric Hosmer was one of the first. Will Myers was also part of this too. But in terms of like that big star that really signified that the Padres are going to go out there and get top of the line talent, not just overpay for guys like Hosmer and Will Myers, or if you want to go back with the, with the Justin Upton, I know it was a trade, but you get my point. Like un, indisputable superstar quality players. Um, Manny Machado was that. And this past year, as everybody knows, Runner-up for the MVP, I thought he should have won the MVP personally. A 7.4 F war. Just outstanding stuff. He cracked 32 homers, um, which was his career high with the Padres? No, he tied his career high in home runs with the Padres. My mistake. His previous career high was 37 back in 2018. But 
yeah, he's a good defender. There's so many things about Manny Machado that are so great. And it's really cool that they decided to keep him. And I think that part of this, that my theory for a while for why they were going to keep him, aside from the Peter Seidler stuff and just thinking they have shown no indication that they wouldn't pay him, was that I don't know how much I bought into the Otani thing. I just thought, look, and by the way, <laughs> because I have said way too many on this po- many times on this podcast that they're done making moves, right? So I don't want to say that. But my vibe was in free agency, I just think a Mets, a Dodgers, a Giants are not going to get beat out by the Padres for a guy. I think we saw a little bit of that this offseason when they reportedly really wanted Aaron Judge. Didn't make a full offer to him. I know it was reported at first. They offered him like 390 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But then Trey Turner was another guy they tried to offer a contract to, and he turned that down. So maybe they looked at that and said, all right, if we're competing against those teams and they really want a star, probably not going to be able to. So maybe they looked at it and said, look, the Mets next year, they really need a third baseman. They tried to sign Carlos Correa. Maybe the Yankees get involved. They haven't had a third baseman that was good since literally Chase Headley, and it's not like he was that incredible for them. You always got the Dodgers in there, and the Giants, you know, they missed out on free agents. So maybe that's what their line of thinking was. Let's just keep what we have and keep a guy who's been tremendous. He's been great for the fans. Fans love him. I love hearing him go on Ben and Woods. I like their little segment where he signed a lifetime uh, best friend contract on their show. That was really good. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. I think they just said, you know what? This guy is here. We should focus more on the stars that we already have instead of trying for a little bit of the unknown. And now the contract, as some other people have pointed out, is no longer going to be this kind of thing that hangs over the rest of the season. And I think that that's really, really important because while I don't think that anyone should be blaming Manny Machado, I think that that's absurd. I think that, you know, it's bottom line is this weird thing that's out there. I don't know if that would make the Padres worse. I don't know if it means Manny was going to, you know, perform worse. I doubt that. He's been one of the most consistent players in baseball. Um, I know some people were pointing out uh, Dan Clark, uh, a little a little bit of a, a weirdo on Twitter and whatnot, has a big following, but he pointed out, hey, that's a lot of deals for a guy with a significant injury history. And to that I say, well, since 2016, only Paul Goldschmidt has played more games than Manny Machado. So I think that's pretty absurd. In terms of just consistency, uh, Manny Machado has been there before. And even his first year for the Padres, while the F4 total wasn't fantastic, uh, he still managed, like, what was it, 20, hold on, 32 home runs with his first year with the Padres. And again, F4 wasn't great, only a 2.2, weird defensive stuff, just kind of collapsed in the second half a little bit of his production, and it left people a little bit underwhelmed, but he was still good, right? And then he bounced back, strikeout rate went way, all the way back down as it usually is, so that was really exciting. And now he's a Padre for life, and... Look, there's a lot to talk about in this episode, believe me, but one of the things that I want to pose to listeners is a, a genuine thing, which is what do do the Padres need to chill almost right now? You know, do they need to chill and say, "All right, you know what? Going forward, you need to have a little bit more of a, a balanced roster in the sense that you don't want to have everybody tied to 10, 11-year deals. You Darvish is going to be there for a while, Joe Musgrove. You've got like five players who are on the books for a while, but you've still got to iron out the kinks of the rest of your roster. There's still questions about Juan Soto. Does this mean that Juan Soto isn't going to get the big extension? I imagine they're going to try, and they have you know this year and next year to do so. But in fairness, the Washington Nationals did offer him $455 million, which isn't chump change for sure, um, even if he is quote-unquote worth more, right? But to me, I look at it and I say, 
Manny Machado, he's a Padre. This is really exciting. It's not going to hang over the season. And he's been phenomenal. I know some people don't think he's that great. I think those people are dead wrong. Now, now all of a sudden, we're also in a situation where he could become one of the best Padres absent, you know, Trevor Hoffman and Tony Gwynn, your Ken Caminetti's, your Finley's, and, 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 and whatnot. I think that, wow, I included Steve Finley in there. Sorry, guys, I'm a casual. What do you want from me? Um, but no, like, I just think he has the chance to be, you know, the all-time home run king. He can be up there in the hits. He can be up there in just overall impact on a team. And I think that that's very, very important. And clearly, Sidler and ownership and management thought the same, too. So shout out to Manny Machado. You are the man. And I am so excited uh, to see where this goes going forward. But, guys, I have some other questions for you. I do. Going forward about this uh, Manny Machado contract. I do have a lot of questions about this. Some for you, the audience. And I want to, I have some of my thoughts on what this could mean for the rest of the Padres roster. But before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, just one second, one second. Look, I, I had a rough week. I'm not going to lie to y'all. It was a little bit of a rough week, you know. So I, I indulged on a couple treats to satiate my sweet tooth. But you know what that, uh, you know what the treat was? May not be what you uh, always expect. It's a protein bar. And more specifically, it is the Built Bar protein bars, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. I mean, I've been talking about these things for going on almost three years. They are fantastic. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they've got undeniably, inscrutable, just impenetrably good flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. They've got it all, man. And new flavors pop in and around every now and then often. So you better, you know, keep your eye on the store. They've got limited edition flavors as well. And if you want some more info on the macros of these things, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein, guys. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's exciting now, isn't it? Oh yes, they are. Ladies and gentlemen, usually you're used to buying built Bars, though. On online, which you can still do, but also go ahead to your nearest Walmart, the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. They've got four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13 bar box with all the fit flavors brown or batter, churro, cherry barcia, my personal favorite. You can thank me later. BuiltBar.com, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. As we keep it moving, I want to put back on the glasses because I want to ask a little bit of a question here before we get into, actually, let's, let's start with this. What does this mean for the rest of the Padres roster and the team going forward? Um, first of all, it's a big impact on MLB. I will say that this takes out yet another major free agent that was going to be there. Um, you know, Raphael Devers, he resigned with the Red Sox. That was a guy that was a big third baseman option. Now that Manny Machado is extended, you're looking at more of a pitcher heavy class. With, of course, the ultimate golden egg of arguably all-time golden eggs, Shohei Otani, who I think is certifiably, indeniably, definitely gone, uh, I think, after this year, unless the Angels make a miraculous playoff run, which, in fairness, we've been expecting them to do for going on like a decade now, and they still haven't been able to do it. So it's unlikely, especially with that division getting better. I think that um, going forward, because of these extensions, and I alluded to it in the first segment, I just wonder, I think the Padres need to next really focus on the farm and building up the back end of their talent. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think that they have some really good tertiary pieces. 
I'm really high and interested on, you know, how Adrian Monohone's going to be this year. I like the Seth Lugo signing. Matt Carpenter's interesting. Nelson Cruz is interesting. And you still got guys like Jay Cronenworth and Trent Grisham and Hassan Kim. All really solid role players, and each of them a little bit of upside heading into this year. At least I think. I think Hassan Kim, if he makes another step forward, everyone's going to be like, whoa, that's a really great guy who is literally supposed, supposed to be the backup to Tatis, and now he's the starting shortstop on the team, or starting second baseman probably this year. So you've got him. You've got Trent Grisham, who people have been talking about a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the things uh, that happened over spring training for sure as this podcast goes along. But Trent Grisham hit an absolute bomb over the weekend. That was very cool. If he lifts his batting average just a tad bit, becomes a little bit more consistent of an offensive player, that's a big plus for the team too. And Jake Cronenworth, with the exception of last year, once upon a time, was like third in F4 among all uh, second basemen since the start of the 2020 season. So... There is a lot of room for those other pieces. I'm not saying the Padres are entirely top-heavy. I just think that with all these contracts going around, that they do have to have a little bit of roster flexibility. They do have to be like, all right, not everybody is tied in place. This isn't even a money thing as much as it is just a, all right, you have a lot of guys that are locked into positions. And on top of whether or not they decline, whether or not they get hurt, whatever, you know, knock on wood, okay, so I'm not hoping for that, obviously. But just give you a little bit of room to be like, all right, Let's go sign a, a different guy to play outfield. Let's go do this. Instead of keeping everything in place, I know some people have said, well, let's extend Jake Cronenworth. Let's extend, if Trent Grisham has a great year, then you extend him too, on top of Soto. And then if Nick Martinez, there's all sorts of like, just extend, extend, extend. And I do think you have to keep a good portion of your roster a little bit more flexible because there's going to be interesting free agents every year. Guys that we don't know are going to be interesting. Martin Perez for the Rangers last year, I would not have expected him to be a, a, a an up-there free agent. I would not have expected necessarily Dansby Swanson, who got paid by the Chicago Cubs, to be one of the biggest free agents available this offseason. He would have been an okay free agent, I think. But after this past year, it was like, whoa, we got ourselves a, a little decent, you know, high, a fringe all-star type of talent that all of a sudden has entered free agency. So you really never know. And I, I must emphasize this once again, you also don't know what's going to unfold with the rest of the teams in baseball, right? I remember, and I still remember, and I hold this against all you listeners. Not really. But everyone said, sign Castellanos. Sign Michael Conforto. Sign Michael Conforto ends up missing the year. Nick Castellanos has a dreadful year. And all of a sudden, Juan Soto's available at the trade deadline, and now he's a Padre. So a lot of things can still unfold. So one thing that I'm going to be talking about in a future episode that I think deserves dedication just for, just for this one topic is... Are the Padres and should the Padres explore trading Jackson Merrill to improve the rest of the roster? My immediate reaction is no. I think that Jackson Merrill has shown a remarkable development and he's risen up the prospect rankings and fan graphs. He's in their top 10, right, which is crazy. And I just think it, it's nice to have that kind of bullet in the chamber going forward that if you want to have him play a second, maybe if Hassan Kim leaves in free agency or something like that, then all of a sudden you have this guy coming up. Build a little bit of the farm because you don't want your entire roster, you know, locked down for five years in case anything happens. It's very hard to be in a position in baseball where you know for sure that you've got like eight guys that you want being your core for a long time. Everyone mocks the Yankees and their core four all the time, but like that was four players. The Padres have like five right now, and we're already talking about getting six with Soto. So for me, my thing is. Let's chill out a little bit and don't get a little bit too spoiled. Don't get me wrong. This is huge. This is a team that just never did anything like this. I, I mean, at all. It was it was remarkable when they would do anything remotely like this. I, I feel like Goose Gossage's deal 
was probably once upon a time a big deal for the Padres, right? Like, there's a lot of just, you know, there's a lot of other unexpected things that will happen in the sport. And I think it's important to note that. And I think it's important that going forward, they keep their options just a little bit more open. And I think that, um, you know, that um, I, I just I just brain farted. Excuse me. Wow. Maybe I'm thinking about last night's The Last of Us episode too much. Um, that I think with this Padres current roster that these stars are going to age pretty well, including the goober, Tatis, who's the bobblehead, of course, on my screen. I do think that they're going to age well, but I just think you have to be prepared. I do. And while Manny Machado has been one of the most consistent third basemen in the game, he's been a stud for a long time, and he's not even that old yet, there are some questions with him that I didn't you know, bring up exactly. Could the negative be his defense? His defense waned just a tad bit last year. I know his fan graphs rating, defensive rating, let me make sure I take off my sunglasses so I get this right. His defensive rating was 6.9 last year, but in terms of advanced fielding, if you bring up, you know, tertiary, more basic stats and whatnot. He did have minus three defensive runs saved, you know, which is the first time he's had a minus number in that category in a long time. He did have eight eight outs above average, which is great. So that tells you that the defensive run saved isn't the full story. But it just leaves you a little, quite, makes you question just a tad bit. You know, was it that Manny Machado was carrying the offense so much that he was just not necessarily as dynamite as he sometimes is on defense? Um, but again... Still had a really good outs above average year, but it also reminds me, say, of his 2018 year where he had a really kind of not so great defensive year um, when he tried to play shortstop and he was carrying the offense and he was on a bad team. So, again, it's probably just an off year in his defense, but you do wonder how that, you know, is going to age. I think it should age okay, but it's something worth pointing out. Yeah, you had like minus six defensive run save or minus six of outs above average just randomly that one year. But anyway. These things, I'm saying all this to say that you don't know how everything's going to age. They've made bets on good players to age well. This is not going to be some Chris Archer thing, right, with the Pirates where they made a bet on a guy who clearly wasn't going to, you know, last all that long. It'd be great. But I'm just saying, keep your options open. I'm really curious to see how guys like Campizano debut this year, whether or not they have to worry about the future at catcher. If he can come in and just be okay, that would be awesome. Again, keep in mind that offensively, WRC plus numbers for catchers is about like an 89 average. So he doesn't need to be incredible. Very few teams have a plus plus offensive catcher. You're usually just looking for someone who could be okay. Maybe provide a little bit of power and throw out some runners and frame pitch as well. That's usually what you're looking for. And they're not supposed to be the anchor of your team, right? Your Buster Posey's and JT Romuto's and Joe Mauer's of the world are pretty rare. I'm not going to say the guy from the Dodgers who's pretty good because we're petty on this show. Right? We're still drinking the Dodger tears, ladies and gentlemen. And the Mets fans' tears, who were tweeting literally nonstop, media included, about how Manny Machado is going to be a Met next year. Mm. So much for that little agenda. But ladies and gentlemen, I have another agenda for the rest of this episode. I have a question for you, the listeners, that I want to pose to you. Because I think it's a little fun. A little fun. As we wind down talking about this Manny Machado deal. In just a one second... I need some more water. All right, there. For the audio listeners, your ads should have played by now. And now we must discuss. Are the San Diego Padres the greatest turnaround in the history of sports? Now, hold on a second. I know what you're thinking. First of all, you might be thinking, Javi, you usually don't do the sports talk 
crazy, like, out-there engagement type of takes. It's probably true. Every now and then on Twitter, like last year when I proposed a fake Tatis trade, I'm not immune to it either, but I actually mean this one pretty sincerely. And you might be thinking, oh, come on, greatest turnarounds. Look, this is separate than comebacks. Comebacks, you've got the Super Bowls, right? You've got the Patriots against the Falcons. You've got all sorts of big comeback games. You had what happened to my favorite football team that will not be discussed. You have all sorts of comebacks that happen. You have the Red Sox comeback against the Yankees in 04. But I'm talking about turnarounds. And what I mean by turnarounds is just a full-scale, just complete 180 change in your organization and how it's viewed, how a certain team is viewed, whatever. And I think it's up there. For me, I know that there are some others out there, right? You've got, um, you know, for on the bad side of things, ever the Warriors were like the most beloved team in all of sports. Then they added Kevin Durant, and, all, and then they become the most hated team in all of sports. So that's kind of on the negative spectrum. But for me, I want to bring this up just because this is a team that had like the 27th ranked, large, like the 27th largest market in sports, San Diego. And they were literally known for, you had Trevor Hoffman, you had Tony Gwynn, Love those guys, great players. You had an 84 team that was very good and had a little swag and kind of country kind of like style almost to it a little bit. Great team. Then you had the 98 team that unfortunately blew it to the Yankees, but they were a buzzsaw, whatever. Padres never been anything. I mean, seriously, they were kind of a, I don't want to say a joke franchise, but they were an irrelevant franchise. And now all of a sudden in a sport that every year we see so much baloney that happens. And I'm glad that someone actually tweeted at me uh, because they were pointing out to some other Brewers fan where they were like, yeah, um, as I mentioned on my show, and I'm not saying that this is a unique point of mine, but the Padres, they are kind of battling against this idea that these other teams have trained their fan bases. I'm not saying I I also want to emphasize I'm not saying no fans realize this. There are plenty of fans who are out there that support, say, the Rays and realize, yes, they have trained me to accept that we will never sign a free agent. I'm not saying everyone's ignorant, but they've trained people to be like, actually, it's better to have a great farm with guys with potential and no contracts that are over $30 million because it makes our roster look ugly sometimes because you'll end up with a Patrick Corbin, because you'll end up with a... I don't know why Marcus Stroman came to mind, but he had a bad year last year. So guys like that, guys that just don't age well, Miguel Cabrera, who, you know, at his point in his career is not very good and he's getting paid a lot of money. You know, your Albert Pujols, Anthony Rendon, all those type of players. It's better to just build through the farm. And I think that this new, this, the modern age in baseball has shown that you can't just only spend money, right? You do have to be good at trades. And in fairness, the Padres have shown that. I think that they've won the the the, um, the U Darvish trade. I think they've probably won the Joe Musgrove trade. And Blake Snell, assuming he's able to put in another great season and stay healthy, probably won that trade too. Like there are, you do have to win some trades. And I count Fernando Tatis Jr. personally as basically a lifetime Padre. I know he's through a trade, but he was like 18 when that trade happened. So you know, I, I personally count as that that as that. You do have to have make good moves with Grisham, with Cronenworth, with Robert Suarez was a good signing. It's not always just, all right, who are the top three free agents? Sign them. I think that might have been what it used to be back in the day. So don't get me wrong. Money isn't everything to determining who wins. Literally, just ask teams like the Yankees. The Yankees haven't won since 2009, right? I, but I do think that they've taught fan bases that there's too often, too many times in baseball, it's the only sport where teams will be at the top of their damn division, be in the World Series, 
and the next year they will decide to go backwards. Cleveland Guardians. Now, they weren't the Guardians back then, but you get my point. When they were in the World Series against the Cub, Francisco Lindor, who you guys know is my favorite player, absent, you know, favorite non-Padre in the league. He has a great World Series, all this stuff, right? And do you guys remember the Cleveland Guardians, like, actually adding to that team next? No, instead they kind of stayed stagnant, added a couple of pieces. It's like, why is this the only sport that's like this? In other sports, you got the Rams in football who are like, we're going for it. Give us um, Von Miller, right? We're trading for him. Give us uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., right? We're going for it. Like, we want to spend and we want to go out there in free agency and add more players and blah, blah, blah. In basketball, imagine if the Phoenix Suns, made when they made the finals uh, two years ago, if they were like, Okay, we made the finals, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to trade Devin Booker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, Because you're like, you know what? We don't think we can afford him when he needs a contract extension. It's the only sport that does that. And I think that's a problem, and I think other fans should be catching on to a little bit of the facade that a lot of owners put up that they can't afford to spend. Some teams, I think they can spend money, but it's at least a little bit more understandable, like your Tampa Bay Rays, like your Kansas City Royals. But there are far too many teams that show that they can, and they refuse to. Tell me the Chicago White Sox, Chicago, that you can't spend money there? You're telling me that, that um, what's it called, that some of these teams just can't do it? Baltimore, you're telling me all you have is $20 million? Come on, come on, guys. That's absurd to me. So not every team needs to be spending as much as the Padres, but they can certainly follow suit in some way. And I think that's why... Definitely not a coincidence that all these these tax committees that Dick Montfort is a part of have been kind of making the rounds lately. That they're looking at this and saying, "Uh oh, they started they're starting to catch the grift. They're starting to realize that we don't spend any money, or at least not enough, or at least don't make any attempts to try, and that's resulting in a lot of our franchises hitting the tubes and whatnot. But we don't want them to know that. We want them to think that it's because nobody comes to the games, even though the Colorado Rockies." have a continually one of the seven best attendances big decent media market for sure even though the oakland a's have one of the richest owners in the sport they want to keep up that facade and i think that the padres are showing you you do not have to do that because the padres while it is important to bring up great weather great ballpark and biggest thing hear me out guys chargers left you lost an NFL team. So now the whole city is just Padres town. That is some things that play into, I imagine, why the Padres are feeling really good about putting out some extra money investing in some star players. Peter Seidler deserves a whole lot of credit here. Usually I start off these episodes begging for AJ Peller to kill me, but Seidler, I want him to kill me now. I want him to stone, put me into stone like Medusa. I want him to throw me into a ring of fire. And then I want him to use the, the what are those things called? The Cerberus from the underworld to eat on my remains. I'm saying it for Peter Seidler because that man said on Friday, he's my top priority, extending Manny Machado. And he went out and did it. And I just think that in the current state of baseball, where this sport is and where I think it can still be, I think that there is a quiet possibility that baseball can maybe rise up a little bit more. I'm not saying it's ever going to be as good as the NFL. In fact, I think that there is no program uh, in the country that will ever be as high as the NFL. For those who wonder, a lot of people bring up ratings going down. Well, ratings are down for literally everything, except for the NFL, right? So if you ever hear someone who says, 
this is a little bit of a tangent, but if they ever say like, oh, the, the Oscars, they're too, they're too political now or but really guys, it's mostly that just ratings are down for almost everything. I'm not saying that doesn't play a part in it, but they're down for everything. But I look at baseball right now and say with the pitch clock rules, which we're going to be talking about this week as well. There was certainly a lot of discourse about that this weekend with the pitch clock rules, with all these teams being more exciting. Hopefully the Mets and Padres helping out a lot. You know, hopefully some other teams can follow suit at some point with uh, the World Baseball Classic, with all these things, and with the NBA having all these these questions about, you know, the player load management stuff, which I think is a conversation that, you know, is a lot more nuanced than unfortunately people talk about it. That's not just players being like, I need to rest, that it's more, a little bit more complicated than that. I think baseball has an opportunity here to really go out there and capture people's attention again, remind people of national pastime. Uh, or you can have it stay as the pastime. But I do think that there's growth possible here. But growth is not going to be possible if you have too many teams that are doing what I've just been spending this whole segment talking about. And again, that's just my thought. But for me, that's what I want people to consider. And that's why in this sport that I think that the Padres might be one of the great turnarounds. There's some other ones. Don't get me wrong, right? Like I said, on the other end of the spectrum, you could argue the Warriors. You could argue the New England Patriots, right? That team was known for nothing, and then they turned it around and became a dynasty. I get it. But I just think in terms of such a small market, or at least a, a market that was small at one point, and it still, it still is to a degree, that for them to change around and be literally more dynamic and exciting than the Yankees now, I mean, that's crazy. Who would have Who would have freaking thought it? No one would have. The Boston Red Sox are trading away their players, and the the Padres are like, all right, who's next? Like, they're Jed Bartlett in the West Wing. What's next? You know, it's just absolutely phenomenal, and I'm so excited that Manny Machado is a Padre for life. I don't think that this was a move that they necessarily had to make. Um, I certainly believe that there were going to be other free agents, and there's unpredictability in this sport, and that they could allocate that money elsewhere. You can send it to Soto, you can send it to Otani, right? You can send it on another starting pitcher. Maybe if you're concerned about that, maybe you go out and get Aaron Nola next year. For sure, I don't think it was a be-on, end-all type of thing, right? But it was certainly a good move to make, and it's exciting, and it keeps Manny as a Padre for life. All the folks out there, Manny Machado fan club president, I see you tweeting out there, well, whoever it is, Everyone's tweeting his dump truck, whatever you want to do. You can keep on doing it because he's a Padre for life, and that's really exciting. And again, while I don't think it was a move that had to be made, I just don't think at, at this point, with everything the Padres have been through, with what their franchise is usually known for, I don't think it's one that you can immediately call a bad move or even a less than good move. Because, man, it is fun. What a time to be alive, Friar Faithful Homies. It is just incredible. And I cannot freaking wait. Petco Park is going to look like Woodstock, man. It's going to look like a, a, um, a Kendrick Lamar concert, like in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be absolutely wild. And I really hope other teams take notice because other teams can do something like this. Certainly, if you're from some of those bigger markets, because the Padres, at least a while ago and not so long ago, they were certainly not. But now they definitely are. And it's really great for the sport. And I'm grateful to be covering them. Really lucked out on it, going to be honest. Literally, when I started hosting this podcast, everything went nuts. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres to see my Friar hoodie, um, robe, whatever you want to call it. Um, see the Tatis bobblehead. Next episode, um, probably going to talk about the rule changes. My boy Ryland Styles, we've been interested in uh, doing a crossover talking about that because that's been huge news, even though it's honestly unsurprising that people are creating a discourse over this gonna be talking about Hassan Kim and whether or not he can be better this year gonna be doing some crossovers with the Dodger folk uh all sorts of good stuff coming on this podcast guys and my boy Mark coming on a little bit later this week to talk about baseball economics which is even more relevant what I just talked about now but he's an economics dude you know what I mean this is a guy who studies that shit. he's very smart uh, I, I am not and he, he's very smart on that but uh until then guys Stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.